Hi everyone, welcome to Hubshots, episode 137. We talk about decentralizing identity, canceling HubSpot, HubSpot activity feed, and multivariate testing of calls to actions. You're listening to Asia Pacific's number one HubSpot focused podcast, where we discuss HubSpot tips, tricks, and new features and strategies to grow your marketing results. We hope you enjoy the podcast as much as HubSpot CEO Brian Halligan does. Thanks for creating this podcast. It's awesome. I listen to it on the weekends and I really enjoy it. My name is Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found and with me is my co-host Craig Bailey from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? Delighted to be here, Ian. Back for another round. And you know what's funny about our episode today? Yes. We're actually going to cover a whole lot of marketing things but only touch on a few HubSpot features. I I think this is going to be the least amount of HubSpot we've covered. But you know... That's going to be in contrast to next episode, where we're going to devote almost the entire episode just to the HubSpot Conversations feature set and HubSpot Starter. Yes. So looking at the starter stack. So, yeah, variations between this week and next. All right. So let's go to the inbound thought of the week, Craig. And this is about decentralizing privacy and identity control. And this is an interesting article that you were sharing around yeah, well, this one's from Betaworks, and there's been a few lately, yes. including Justin Thing's post, uh, which we talked about in episode Correct. 135, this idea of privacy and identity, people wanting to reclaim it. And I'm going to do a terrible job at summarizing what are quite in-depth articles. Yes. I'll do my best, but then I'll tell you why I think it's important for marketers and why it's our inbound thought of the week. Okay, so the, the basic principle is thinking about how Platforms like Facebook and Google and others have kind of become the repository for our data and our privacy. Yes. In fact, our identity in a way, but particularly privacy. And so we're marketed at based on this data set that they have about us. Okay. So we all know that and I kind of, uh, we kind of have been complicit in that exchange, right? I get benefit from it and I hand over my privacy. And everyone's kind of okay with that. But there's a kind of a groundswell growing pushback against that. And we're seeing that with technology. And uh, blockchain, of course, has been, well, besides a great buzzword, has been... Decentralising. ...considered as part of this decentralising and reclaiming of our privacy and identity. So there's a few posts here. And if you're into that techie kind of stuff, we cover Betaworks, how their kind of thought leadership on what they're thinking about. We also look at um, Tim Berners-Lee. So Tim Berners-Lee, who founder of the World Wide Web, and a great advocate for standards and keeping it free and available for all. Yes. He's talked at length about this and he's got a new company called Inrupt and they've got a tool or a platform called Solid, which is open source, which is the start of this idea about allowing people to have all their data and privacy in one place, uh, a solid pod, they call it. And it's this idea of this pod can be on solid servers yeah. around solid is the name of the the Product. technology around yeah. it and his company uh, interrupt is around commercializing that so solid is really open source that's for everyone but interrupt is a way of commercializing that and promoting it into the wider well globally i guess and so there's some really interesting ideas around here we've got a whole ton of quotes and links to go through but here's the takeaway The takeaway is for marketers to think about how they're going to actually market to people in the future. Because if this progresses, what we're going to find is all this rich advertising and marketing 
tooling that we have at the moment, I'm thinking of Facebook ads in particular, the ability to target and find people and uh, market to them is fantastic and we love yeah. it as marketers. As consumers, we might not, might not like it as much. And so there's going to be a push away where people are reclaiming their data and their privacy and only giving it out to certain parties and apps to look at. And as marketers, that's going to affect us. And it might sound like I'm hyping this up, but you can see it happening in the tech sector that this is where it's pushing and it's going to happen quickly, yes. by which I mean the next couple of years, and it's going to dramatically change how marketers approach getting their message in front of people. So interesting reading. And, of course, Matt Barbie's talked about this as well from the, well from his personal view, but as a, a key kind of growth strategist for HubSpot, it'd be interesting to see how they're approaching this. And so a great well, thought for yeah marketers to be considering. I think the key here is when we talked about what Lauren Scott said at the HubSpot user group is that HubSpot is becoming this platform that's kind of the connector, but the holder of the data has all that data where it connects to multiple different platforms. And it kind of becomes a platform of choice that, you know, holds this information. So I think they've already seen this happening and they're thinking, well, how can we be one of the people that holds data? Well, that is true, although it's behavioural data that they'll hold and you can't really take that away. Someone sees you on their site and what you do. But what you can withhold is all your interests and a whole lot of other data, you know, financial data, um, things that you've purchased, all that can come back to you rather than the platforms holding it. So there still will be behavioural and some implicit stuff that HubSpot will look at. But for the advertising platforms that rely on these thousands of variables, Mm. that's going to start reducing. It's, It's really interesting that the information they're going to have access to will reduce if this goes ahead. Okay. And Tim Berners-Lee has his work cut out from, That's you, know, right. to, exactly. you know, this is not an overnight change. I guess this whole approach, we're seeing it more and more. It's not just a few thought leaders or <clears throat> futurists on the side talking about it. It's becoming mainstream. Yes. All right. On to our HubSpot marketing feature of the week, Craig. And we're going to talk about multivariate testing of CTAs. Well, there's a change of gears. I know. It's a very <laughs> big change of gear. Now, I put an example in there. It was sitting with a customer, wanted to test a CTA, and this is in an email that was going out, and I thought we were going to announce a new floor plan for a house. And so I said, well, why don't we just test it? She goes, oh, what do you think will work? I said, right, well, let's just give it a test. Well, we'll put your one, I'll put mine, I think. And all I did was I put the word new in there because it is a new floor plan that they had. So I did that to prove that we have the ability to actually test all these things, be it on a page or an email or any other place you want to do this. What I encourage people, like the takeaway from this is go away, find a simple CTA and create a test that you can actually see whether you can beat the current click-through rate that you already have and get a better result. I really like this idea and the tools are just there in HubSpot and funnily enough, they've been there for a while. They have. And we're going back going, oh, wow, it's actually been there for ages. Okay. This is not a new feature, but it's, I bet it's an underused one. Yeah. So I think this was probably available in an enterprise version probably way back in 2016 and is now in professional. And that's where it, that's where it's at. So if you've got a basic portal, it's not going to work. You're not going to have the option to do that or even create a smart CTA for that matter. So... Well, let's just talk about that versus smart CTAs because you've you found that there were limitations, right? 
correct. I thought, hey, we've got a test. Let's create a smart multivariate test. Can't do that. So, so once it's you're... either smart or it's a multivariate test CTA. Yeah. So you can only apply it to simple CTAs once That's you've right. created multivariate or you've created it smart. And That's going right. Back. All right. On to our HubSpot customer code item of the week, Craig. Yeah, I, I think this is interesting. This is about cancelling HubSpot. And one of the things that Damesh covered in his keynote was they want to get better at looking after the customer. And he had this whole customer code, which Correct. he launched, which is, you know, a great, uh, well, we call it an initiative or great summary of what we'd call expected. Yes. Um, and, and he spoke about this in his keynote at Inbound mm. um, after Brian spoke about actually making, I guess, making a the transaction of the customer service light, not not having a product that's 10 times better, but actually making that ease of transaction light. And I think this is a good follow-on. And I guess it's interesting because we have experiences with HubSpot on a daily basis on behalf of clients and ourselves and what actually goes on, right? Yeah. And well, well, what one of the things we're going to pick on in this episode is just how one of the items he covered in his customer code was making it easier to cancel HubSpot. HubSpot. And so he said, I'll just mention this from his uh, notes. He actually said, we reduced our cancellation notice window from 45 days to 10 days with the goal of getting it to zero. And later he says, we want to be more like Shopify and Netflix companies that make no attempt to block the exit. His point being, you should stick around, not because you're locked in, but because you Mm -hmm. like in, I think were his words. Like in, not lock in. Okay. Yeah. Now, why we're referring to this is because then Scott Brinker, chief marketing technologist, or chief marketing tech, and well, he now works for HubSpot. Correct. I think that two happen? years ago, I think was it? Yeah. Yeah. He said, "Look, I'm biased, but I absolutely love this." Here's his comment, which we kind of found interesting. When was the last time a major SaaS platform you depend on made it a company-wide initiative to make it easier for you to cancel whenever you want, right? <laughs> so that's a good question. So, what, so we thought about so it. So we thought we? about it. It's like all our SaaS tools. So here's just a few. I'll, I'll, I'll kick us off. G Suite, Teamwork, Adobe Creative Cloud. Evernote, Xero, Skype. Zoom, Quilla, Shopify. WP Engine. Teachable. AdWords. In fact, any advertising platform. MailChimp. Yeah, look, it goes on and on. These are all the tools we use. And these are tools we use, right? Now, how many of those, Ian, can you cancel easily within? All of them. Absolutely all of them. In fact, we couldn't think of one tool that we use where you can't cancel easily within the platform. So we're kind of puzzled by this. And I guess the only thing we could think of is that in enterprise software, a solution sale, it is often you're locked in or those things. But HubSpot has like these annual renewals and things like that. It's interesting that their model, because down at the starter end, it's not like that. You can subscribe online and you yes. can cancel online. But still in the pro and enterprise, it requires talking with sales exactly. and then a sign-in for it. So it's interesting. I'll be interested to see where HubSpot go. But I definitely endorse this. Like I just want it to be like every other tool. Like we've been using G Suite for years, exactly. Teamwork for years, Zero for years. I'm not cancelling, but I like to know that I could at any time. Exactly. And I think knowing that, you're probably not going to, right? (laughs) Well, if the tool's providing utility and value, I'm going to keep using it, right? Exactly. So, yeah. Anyway, interesting thoughts. uh, And, well, good on you, Damesh. Yeah, let's make it the norm. Correct. All right, Craig, on to our marketing tip of the week. And this is about analysing your Twitter accounts 
and you might be surprised what you find. So this is from Spark Toro. And behind Spark Toro, there's a greater thing. They're building a product that will, uh, you could probably explain it better, but I'm going to tell you why I'm going to talk about this is I found it really interesting. You could actually do an audit of your followers. You can actually see the quality of those followers and you can actually analyze the information for you. And it'll give you what they call a spark score. So they're kind of like four different metrics in there and they're actually building some other stuff. But one of the things we wanted to see was how many fake followers (laughs) Twitter accounts had. Yeah, so we've got the results from HubShots there. By the way, this is Rand Fishkin's new venture. New star, yeah, from Moz. Uh, He's a great speaker at um, Inbound too. He's fantastic. But anyway, so we looked at the fake followers for HubShots, our HubShots Twitter account. And you know what percentage of fake followers had? 5.2%, which is actually really low. Yes. The median was around 18% 18. of, so all those Twitter accounts, almost one in five followers is fake or just a bot, you know, just one of those Twitter accounts that's just a bot. Yeah, and I'm going to tell you what SparkToro are actually building. They're building. They're in the early stage of building data and a software product to help marketers, public relations professionals, and entrepreneurial teams learn more about their audiences that they want to reach. So, in a nice little graphic, you know, they've got here your audience. What do they watch? What do they listen to? Who do they follow? Where do they hang out and what do they read? Sounds like um, privacy information that I'm going to be <laughs> holding in the future. <laughs> well, there you go, isn't it? It's interesting to see what's happening in that space. Fun little, yeah, fun little tool. So go and analyse your own Twitter accounts. That's right. You might be surprised. We start looking at a few people that we know. Exactly. And they had massive fake follower accounts. Interesting to see, isn't it? Yeah, you know what? And if you're, and if you're helping somebody with Twitter or understanding, you know, is that a valuable account or not? It's a great tool to use to figure it out quickly. All right, onto our HubSpot sales feature of the week, Craig. And I'm going to go back to something very basic. It's about looking at your activity feed and looking at the lead activity. Now, why we want to do this is because there's lots of gold here and it's, I, I reckon it's often overlooked and one of the things that's actually in there, which we haven't we haven't highlighted, but it's it's a highlights tab now where you can actually see highlights of what's happening. So this is obviously based on some sort of learning about what's important and it's available in sales professional upwards. So if you have sales data, you're not going to see this or sales free, but lead activity is there. So I want to highlight that because if you're not looking at this on a daily basis and seeing what's going on, you can miss something really key. And I think use it as an opportunity to actually talk to prospective people about your product service or even just connect with them on a personal level and share information that they really like. So one of the things I've done in the past when I've been prospecting people is, as you know, I like all things automobiles. And if I have found out that the other person likes cars as well, then I go, okay, well, if they're looking at my stuff, I might maybe share with them the latest bit of automotive news about the latest Audi that's coming out and just create that connection with them. And I think that's worked to my favor. So get the conversation happening. Yeah, I think that's really good. All right. On to our opinion of the week, Craig. Smart speaker usage. 
We've actually spoken about smart speaker usage before, but you wanted to highlight a Nielsen report here? Yeah, this has come out and it's based on 2000 US customers. So keep that in mind. It's not, you know, a global thing. But what they're highlighting, and I'll tell you why I'm getting to this at the end, because I think marketers need to think about this part. But they're, they're basically saying what, you know, smart speakers, I think are in quarter of US living room or yes. houses now yeah. like it's growing so no one's denying that smart speakers are taking off they're cheap little things they sit there and, you know provide a bit of utility so what do they use them for predominantly listening to music probably no surprises there by the way it makes me think about apple and their home pod and yes. you know, how they really focused on sound quality and everyone's going oh it's ridiculous people don't think of it it's like that i'm like well actually maybe they're onto something there anyway using uh listen to music but next was searching for real-time information so that's where that traffic that kind of stuff but then searching for factual information was third with 75 percent of users saying they would do it in a typical week now what's important though is they don't say how much time they spend doing each of these tasks specifically however overall usage with your smart speaker for most people was around an hour a day spread over the day. So I suspect a lot of that's listening to music and occasional interjection with asking questions and things like that. But here's what's interesting. If you compare that, remember back in episode um, 128, we looked at how people are using social and YouTube and we found, well, on average, people are watching YouTube for about an hour a day. They're on Facebook around 41 minutes a day. And we're looking at that engagement. What I think that's, that's their comparable times with you engaging even if it's just listening to music with a smart speaker yes now why i'm highlighting this for marketers is not to say oh an hour a day of you know you could be in front of people with search it's not like that because we all know that the actual search piece is small but because you get used to having the smart speaker around you get more used to just using it for more and more things and of course we know alexa is growing skill base and all things like that now why this is important is because it's going to become a starting point. It's not where you finish, you know, no yes. one's going to say, okay, read me out that white paper from the smart. But they will might start their search or they might even use it as a reminder, oh, what are some of the best tools for marketing automation? And if you're in that first maybe three, you're going, okay, Alexa, send that to my email, email yes. me that and I'll check it in the morning. So the point is it's a starting point. So for marketers thinking about awareness and that top of the funnel, I know HubSpot don't talk about the funnel anymore, but flywheel, yeah, somewhere on the flywheel. I don't know. I'm going to say top of the funnel because I think everyone knows what I'm talking about, right? Anyway, sorry, Brian, but that top of the funnel piece, right? There is a case for the smart speaker being there. So don't go all in on the smart speaker, but just be really clear about those little factual and items that can start the journey. Correct. Think about how you could optimize just for a few of those. Anyway, that's the takeaway. Uh, It's an opinion of the week because, look, I'm new to this kind of stuff. I don't want to say I've tested it or anything, but it's just something to be aware of and and how we're thinking about the next stage of potential customer interaction. All right, Craig, useful post of the week. And this is about gender neutral pronouns. It's a great post on the HubSpot blog. You kind of highlighted to me and I read it and went, hmm, okay. I've kind of went, I didn't know whether it was serious. And then I went, I kind of get what they're saying. And then you highlighted to me that those are actually real words that people use for gender neutral pronouns. Yeah. So I'll tell you why I think this is useful. So like um, I'm 48, right? I'm getting to old fogey stage. Yeah. And I'm really aware that I'm losing touch with actually what 
well, not only the zeitgeist, but what is actually relevant. Yes. Fortunately, we've got friends that have got kids in uni stage, which is really where all the change is happening, and we get exposed to some of this. And so the reason this is important is for people like me to stay in touch. And I think HubSpot has done a good point of this, you know, gender neutral and this whole idea of gender fluidity. And there's massive changes happening. And I'm very aware that I'm becoming one of those old, oh, that's not me. And I'm worried that I'll lose touch with what's happening in society. And this is a great post for people to To be informed, to be stay in touch. That's the main point I want to make. The secondary point, though, is and being aware of what's in society at the moment allows you to be a better marketer and talk to those markets as well. So, of course, there's benefit as a marketer knowing that, but that's the secondary kind of benefit in my mind. All right. On to our reason of the week, Craig. And it's about technical SEO findings from crawling a billion pages. Yes. Uh, Great presentation. This is by the CEO of OnCrawl, which is a SEO, technical SEO tool. And I'm just going to pull out one thing from he crawled billions of pages and the change from Google's crawling from its Google bot to its mobile bot. Yep. And the mobile first index is dramatic. And you see this happening in September, especially. Yes. The switch to mobile first. So the takeaway for people from this is if your site is not yet mobile friendly and in fact, mobile bot friendly, then you're at a distinct disadvantage. So if you're a marketer and you know your site is still not mobile friendly, yes, there are lots of sites like this. You need to get onto that. It's crucial. All right. The quote of the week, Craig, and this is from Seth's blog, and it's called The Daily. And I thought this was really apt. So I'm going to read the whole thing because I think it applies to all of us. Is there something you can do every day that builds an asset for you every single day? Something that creates another bit of intellectual property that belongs to you. Something that makes an asset you own more valuable. Something you learn. Every single day is a lot of days. It's easy to look at the long run and lull yourself into skipping a day now and then. But the long run is made up of short runs. Wonderful. All right. There are some bonus links in the week. There is a really good SEO hack. And a link, which we're going we're gonna to give it a try. Well, we, we're actually well, going to give it to you. This was so good. We almost want to give it to we you. We want to hide this one. <laughs> do not do this, anyone, so that we can keep it to ourselves. Anyway, it's the first link in the useful links. Uh, go when you're not driving, jogging on the beach, or traveling to your next de- destination, or listening to your smart speaker. Have a look at it and just try it out because it might actually help you with your content strategy. Now, we'd love you to rate and leave us some feedback on Apple Podcasts. It greatly helps us and greatly helps us reach marketers. And if you've learned one thing from this episode, we'd love you to take a screenshot of the podcast, tag us, and write what is that one thing that you learned. And if you have actually tried something out, like implementing a multivariate CCA, and you've got some results, we'd love to see that. And commend you for actually taking action so if you can do that that would be fantastic so craig until next time catch you later ian hey there thanks for listening to this episode of hubshots for show notes and the latest hubspot news and tips please visit us at hubshots.com